Thank you for joining us today on The Sword and the Trial. Today, Tom and I have the privilege of being able to interview Jeremy and Ginger Vuolo. You may recognize Ginger as Ginger Duggar from the hit TLC show, 19 Kids and Counting. Today, we are interviewing Ginger specifically about her recently released book, Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear. And it's her story and Jeremy's story of her coming out of a lot of the error involved in the Gothard movement. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to The Sword and Trowel. The Sword and Trowel is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. And I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We're delighted to have you join us today as we welcome to The Sword and Trowel Jeremy and Ginger Vuolo all the way from California. So guys, welcome to The Sword and Trowel. Thank you so much for having us. Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, how's the weather out in Southern California? 90 degrees today. It's really warm today. Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, okay. Then uh, we're feeling your pain because we're about that plus 90% humidity, I yeah, think, or something like that. Yeah, it's the humidity that gets you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wet heat. Yes. So, yeah, we are so glad to uh, have you guys um, join us today. We've been looking forward to this. Uh, the uh, One of the catalysts for this, and Jeremy, I've known you for I don't know how long, many years, and before you got married, and uh, then after you guys got married, you're out in Laredo pastoring, and from there, I remember talking to you about the prospect of moving uh, out to California, where you enrolled at Master Seminary, and uh, been connected with the ministry out there. But Ginger, you, you wrote a book that came out earlier this year. Is that correct? It's not too long ago. Okay. And the title of the book is Becoming Free Indeed, My Story of Disentangling Faith from Fear. And uh, it's, a, it's a great book. It's well written, and it's, it's your story. It's very personal, but it's told in a very respectful way that honors God and can be incredibly helpful to people who have um, been entangled in some, some bad teaching in the name of Christ. And we've seen a lot of folks... Uh, deconstruct. That's become a whole new category now, deconstructed Christians or former believers. And uh, you're not deconstructing, but you are disentangling. And so we're grateful that you wrote the book. Can uh, you tell us how you finally came to the point where you said, okay, I need to put this all down in paper and bite the bullet and try to get it out? Yeah. And that was, it, it took me some years to get to that place because this theology that I grew up under, the teachings, primarily the teachings of Bill Gothard, um, a lot of legalism and a lot of false teaching, it was um, rooted so deep in me, and it was hard to figure out what was actually true, what was being said. Um, was it from the Word of God or was it from a man's opinion? And so it took me years um, of trying to, like I say, disentangle this truth from error and see um, how I could come out of this. And so once I got to that place where I felt like, okay, I feel like the Lord has led me out of these teachings, it really gave me a passion to see others come out because I know how hard it is to live under that um, oppressive fear. And so um, the Lord used Jeremy in so many ways to bring me out of that teaching. And once I got to the place, I was like, okay, I want to share this story. Um, it was just seriously the hardest, hardest thing I have ever done mm. because I think that the community I was around, everyone was so close, so tight knit, and I was afraid of losing them if I spoke up. 
Yeah. Wow. And uh, you actually started a little bit maybe before you met Jeremy, right? I mean, uh, you, you have a, a sister and now brother-in-law and uh, through their relationship, maybe some questions started forming in your mind. Is that correct? Did you know Jeremy at that time? So it was just a little bit before I met Jer that um, my brother-in-law, Ben, he was in more of a reformed setting. So I had visited his church with my sister and it was there that they were teaching about the sovereignty of God, teaching a lot of these things that I hadn't really thought about or heard Mm -hmm. and um, just God's working in salvation, all of those things that were kind of foreign to me. Um, And it started to challenge the way I thought about uh, God. And so from that point, that's really where I kind of paused and started to read the Bible differently and realized like, okay, I'm not, I'm not supposed to just pick out a verse and make it say whatever I want it to say, but I want to read it in its context, see who it was written to and all of those things that really matter. So that was, yeah, a starting point for me was just a little bit before I met Jared with my brother-in-law. Okay. So Jeremy, how'd you guys meet? We actually met through that brother-in-law, um, Ben. He came to San Antonio with Jessa pretty soon after they had just gotten married to visit. I think your whole family was vacationing outside of San Antonio, and Ben and Jess knew someone in the church that I was in in San Antonio. Um, so they came to a church event, and it, the, the event was like a hangout at my house. And so I met Ben, met Jess, and Ben wanted to keep in touch. Um, we got along really well, and so we just kind of, kept talking over the next few months. And eventually I went, when Ben and Jess were in Dallas um, for a conference, which was actually a Bill Gothard uh, IBLP conference, um, which I was kind of unaware of at the time, but I went up to hang out with Ben and Jess, met Ginger. And then, uh, yeah, that's when we first started. That was sort of, we're first, you know, introduced to each other. That was the start of 2015, wasn't it? Um, It wasn't until the end of 2015 that I really uh, went up to her dad and was like, okay, We want to hear about that, but uh, you went to it. So you actually went to your first Gothard seminar event in Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And it was interesting. I I mean, I was totally ignorant um, to the history of Bill Gothard and all of that. I I rolled up to this conference and actually my first thought, if I'm being honest, was, wow, this is, you know, everybody's dressed the same. Everybody's very happy, very super welcoming and big smiles. Um, I'd never seen so many large families in my life. Mm-hmm. I had heard of the Duggars. And so I'd heard that, you know, they have 19 children, but I didn't know that basically like all of their friends also had 10 to 20 children as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of pulled up to this uh, conference and just thought, excuse me, just thought, where am I? What, what is, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, but was really ignorant to, you know, the theological underpinnings of that. Um, but would come to gradually uh, discern and kind of understand the, the theology of Gothard and why he did what they did. Yeah. You know, uh, I, we have six kids and homeschooled them. And Graham, you were homeschooled, a large family. Did One you guys of, ever do Gothard? Um, never heard the name Gothard, I think, until came to this church. Um, right? Yeah, homeschooled seven kids. Um, you know, I think that probably maybe was some influence that I was just unaware of. Yeah. Uh, but very minimal. You know, I was thinking back through that and some of the experience we had here in the church with it. Uh, and actually in Dallas, I mean, when I was serving as a, uh, assistant pastor at a church in Dallas, some of the best families were folks that had been influenced by Gothard. 
So I just had positive uh, attitudes toward him uh, until I finally went to a seminar uh, after many years being here and, and spent the next six months trying to deprogram people that I'd taken to this seminar because of uh, stuff that they had heard. And some of them picked up on it a lot quicker than I did. But back in the 70s, when evangelicalism was very squishy, and, you know, the, the full-blown inerrancy movie. Back then, when it was squishy? <laughs> the first time. Okay. <laughs> you know? okay. Or an earlier time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was trying to place it, Ginger, reading your book, that uh, the inerrancy movement, I mean, it started in the 70s with Harold Lindsell, and, but, but a, lot of the, a lot of the more um, respectable evangelicals, they, they, weren't, they weren't really taking a stand on some key things. And so you did have this teaching that was taking a stand and it was conservative. Mm-hmm. It was taking the Bible seriously. And I see where that would be attractive mm-hmm. and appealing. And um, so a whole bunch of folks that I've known through the years have uh, been involved with Gothard's teaching. So Jeremy, I got to know. Um, so you met Ginger early in the year at that Dallas event. Did you have any interest at that point thinking, you know, I'd like to get to know her better. Yeah, I, I, I remember the first time. Well, I remember the first time I saw her, and then I saw her later that night, and uh, she was wearing a green dress. Remember that <laughs> <Yeah>. dress? It would be a few months on, actually, until uh, I would begin really thinking seriously about like pursuing her in a relationship. Um, and I just started to think about it. I was talking to, to Jessa, her sister, about her, and so I, I started praying about, uh, about, you know, maybe getting to know her better. The interesting thing was because of the TV show and all of that, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like just, you, you don't just go up and talk to her and say, Hey, you know, let's go on a date. Yeah. Um, because both Gothard's teaching about like the patriarchy and, and those mm-hmm. sort of things, but also because of the TV show. So understandably it had to be more reserved and a little more protective because there's, uh, as she's talked about before, all these people trying to get to know her. Yeah. Um, but I, I really got to know the family and I, I kind of wanted to get to know her just as a friend. Um, and it was Jessa's advice saying, Jeremy, you need to go on this missions trip that her, the family would go on every year to really get to know her, get to know the family a little better. So that's what I ended up doing. That was the, the end of 2015. So you, it was a family mission trip or was it associated with the church or some group? It was um, it was associated with I guess this guy who had just started a missions program, um, and so we didn't have like real associations I guess, um, but a lot of my family had just gone on these trips for okay. years. Right. So it's people from like all different backgrounds show up there. Okay, it's kind of interesting. yeah. So anybody somebody like Jeremy could go and not uh, yeah. be yeah. standing out too bad. Okay, <laughs> so you got to know her during the mission trip. Where were you in your process of thinking about the teaching at this point? Not, not very far along. Um, that actually wouldn't start until um, I expressed to Mr. Duggar that I was interested in her. Mm-hmm. And he actually asked me to start listening to Bill Gothard. Mm-hmm. So it was at that point, after the missions trip, I said, hey, Mr. Duggar, I'd love to get to know your daughter. Um, so we started talking, him and I, and he asked me to start listening to the teaching and at first, I started listening to the advanced seminar, and there's I came to find out there's two seminars, the basic and advanced. And it was interesting. He seemed like a cultural uh, commentator, had some interesting things to say about humanism, 
And so at first I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he's got some insightful things to say about the spirit of our age and uh, how we've rejected God here or there. But as I continued to listen every week, um, I mean, hour after hour, it wasn't long, just like you, Tom, until you start realizing, wait, what, what did you just say? And so as I started picking those things out and eventually when Ginger and I started dating, we started listening together and we would actually pause the the video, open our Bibles and, and talk about the sentences he was saying or the, the, the theology or philosophy he was uh, promoting. And that's really when for me, as well as for Ginger, almost simultaneously, I mean, it, it just was, it was blown cold open because he was just saying things which were so obviously unbiblical. Yeah. Wow. And, and Jeremy, you came out of a, a pretty solid uh, church background, right? Yeah. I mean, my dad is the godliest man I know. He's, he's a, been a pastor. He was uh, in the Reformed Baptist Church for many years, went to be a, a missionary amongst the Amish, uh, theologically solid. My mom, an incredible woman, uh, raised me and my brother and sister um, in the truth. And so I, I'd grown up in church my whole life, and it, I had an opportunity to see also a lot of different kinds of ministries and churches and denominations through the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I would, I would say I came. One of the things with the Reformed Baptists is it's got to be in the text. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to do your proper exegesis, and so that's what bothered me initially about Bill Gothard. I even told Ginger pretty early on. She asked me what I thought about him. I said, "Well, he's not a Bible teacher." But he's got some interesting things to say. Mm. Because if you're going to be a Bible teacher, you've got to <laughs> dig into the Word. Yeah. And he would just kind of give a verse and then go off for 60 minutes. And he wasn't actually teaching the Word of God. Yeah. What were your thoughts, Ginger, when with those initial conversations, when you heard Jeremy say, well, he's not a Bible teacher? <laughs> was that shocking to you? or? Yeah, I was shocked. I was like, Whoa, this Who is, is this crazy. Guy? And I you were, and you almost broke up with him at that point? <laughs> I mean, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was I was so uh kind of caught off guard by that because I had grown up thinking that he was the most amazing Bible teacher ever. And so his words in my mind were almost like the words of God. Mm. I wouldn't have said that, right. but that's kind of what I thought. And that's about how I was taught. And so when I was trying to listen back through these teachings, which I had listened to all of my life, um, pausing those videos in with an open Bible, as soon as I saw that it wasn't in the word of God, these things that he was saying, then it was, it was so clear to me. And I couldn't deny that, that Jeremy was right, that this was not, um, teaching from the word of God. And there were elements of truth mixed in there. Um, but, but the core teachings and I think the way that he would bind your conscience to stuff was just, it just like all of that just kind of fell off. And Mm. I realized like, there is so much more grace here than in the word of God that I ever realized. And I want to be silent where the Bible is silent and speak when the Bible speaks. And that was what switched at that point. Mm. So, uh, man, so theological dating. I love it. You know, I think uh, that, that ought to be y'all's next book, Theological Dating. There you go. <laughs> hey, this is Daryl Harrison, co-host of the Just Thinking Podcast, and just wanted to let you know that the second in our trilogy of books with Founders Press is fast 
approaching being available to you. It's called Just Thinking About Ethnicity. Just Thinking About Ethnicities. Pre-orders are available right now at press.founders.org. That's press.founders.org. You can go there right now and pre-order Just Thinking About Ethnicity. The book will ship in January 2024. Just Thinking About Ethnicity. Go to press.founders.org to pre-order today. So Jeremy, you're um, you're interested in Ginger. You guys are dating, so you've gotten permission from her father. You're doing what he's asked you to do. You're listening to these teachings, and you're coming to understand these teachings have some real problems in it. And Ginger, you're beginning to have questions that had to create some questions, if not tensions, in the relationship with her parents, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was definitely. Um, I think. As we were listening, we were kind of just taking it in um, together at mm-hmm. first. And I knew that if this is really what I saw in the word of God, that I was going to be okay mm-hmm. and that we would be safe together. Because the second that um, I would talk about it, like with my family, I knew that it would be such a difficulty Um, And so a lot of that, I just was processing internally and praying through and learning and growing even alongside Jared at that point. Um, And then Jared would have conversations still with um, my parents and all and just on different points of like theology and talking through things. But I think that the main core of it was just between us two working through that. And we didn't see a need immediately either to go after Gothard. Mm-hmm. I think in our relationship, even as we, we were going through the Word of God and realizing problems, it was over the, the course of years that we, we realized just how deep and problematic the teaching was. So so there would have been things where, you know, eight years ago, you would have asked, is this man a false teacher? I, I don't know Ginger's answer would have been yeah. a definitive yes. You, it might have been, well, I think there's some problems here or there. Mm-hmm. But it, as as we go deeper and understand um, the theology and how it affects Ginger's life mm-hmm. and others, I mean, it just kept growing in its size. So, yeah, and I think even even with Jer like being there for everyday stuff and in my life, like observing my life once we were married, that's really the yeah. point where he could yeah. see how gripped I was by yeah. every little point of this teaching. Well, I I realized that she was living in this petrified fear of God. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, wait a second. Like, why are you so afraid? Why are you so performance oriented? Mm-hmm. Don't you know the Lord loves you as he loves his son Christ because you're in Christ mm-hmm. and realizing that her view of God was actually changing mm-hmm. from the God of retribution, which, which Gothard puts forward very retributive theology where if you make God angry and violate one of his principles, even if it's unknowing, you're going to get it from God. Mm-hmm. And realizing just how deeply embedded mm-hmm. in Ginger's soul that was, without her, she wouldn't have confessed that theology on paper. But practically, we both started to realize, oh man, the, the roots of this go very deep. Which is why, interestingly, Tom, I mean, if, if you've dealt with in ministry people who've been influenced by Gothard, um, we've seen it in those we know and love. It, it sometimes takes decades yeah. for the residue of Gothard's view of God to to wear off of someone, even when they're under good teaching. Yeah, yeah. 
No, that's very true, and I have seen that. It, you know, he's got seven steps to this and six steps to that, and you get people who do the steps, and it just you know, life still happens in ways that the steps are not supposed to make it happen, and it's tough. Well, that's 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 the sad thing is the principles he gave had to play out over a, a life. So, for instance, he's giving families with children who are babies principles and saying if you follow these six steps in 25 years yeah. your kids will turn out mm-hmm. yeah. so these families built their entire life they built a generation upon these promises and it wasn't until 25 years later they realized oh that's a bankrupt theology yeah but it's too late at that point yeah i saw so much um that was just so heartbreaking really because a lot of my friends who just rejected it all because they were so confused about what was the word of God and what was just Bill Gothard's teaching because he would twist the words of God. Um, he was very comfortable putting burdens on people that they couldn't carry. And I think that that just carried on throughout these generations. And you can see now it's playing out with, like you said, the deconstruction movement, all of that, where a lot of these kids are turning to that as their answer. Um, and, So that's, yeah, that's where our hearts have been to just speak up about this, because I know that Bill Gothard is, in many people's minds, it's like, well, that was a thing of the past. Um, But there are generations that are still reeling from this, and the conferences are still going on. And a lot of even families who may not realize where some of these principles came from, they may have just taken some of his teachings and are trying to live by that, but realizing that scripture alone is where our authority is and that's what matters the most that's what we want to speak about um in becoming free indeed yeah i'm encouraged by well a few things obviously the the grace of god in your life uh to be able to you know marinating for so long in erroneous teaching but the lord being able to bring you out of that and i'm sure there's probably days where you still struggle to disentangle yourself but the, also the encouraging promise, you know, the Lord tells us that his sheep know his voice and they hear his voice. And for someone who's regenerate and you're committed to the word of God, though you are being, you may be steeped in error and you may not have the discernment to know truth from error. When that is revealed to you, your commitment is so to the word of God that though it's difficult, you begin to say, okay, that's not in accordance with scripture. So it can't be true. Okay. That's not in accordance with scripture. So that can't be true. And just the, the, the actual process of a sheep knowing their master's voice and, and being committed to what he says. It's yeah. one of the things yeah. that, that impressed me about the book, Ginger, is you, um, you're gracious in the book. And I'm, I know you, you've got disagreements with some of your family. You must have that. And with some friends and people you shared your life with for the early part of your life. And, and yet in that context, with all of the things that you've seen now that are wrong and disentangling from, uh, you were taught the Bible is the word of God. And that's the authority. And so there was that that God gave you in and through all of the error. So, I mean, praise God for that and your parents. I'm- thankful for that foundation just having grown up um, in a home where that was taught that the word of god um is it is our authority they would say that uh, sadly there are things that were mixed right so Mm. it kind of sent like a mixed message but i knew who god was Mm. and um that's what i wanted to build my life upon and so i'm so grateful for my parents having pointed us to christ yeah amen amen
Thank you for joining us for this conversation today. We wanted to remind you of the Founders National Conference that's coming up next year, January 18th through the 20th. It's a wonderful time to be here in Southwest Florida. We don't get hurricanes that time of year, and it's cold throughout the rest of the country. Our theme for the conference this year is Remember Jesus Christ. So the entire conference will be on the doctrine of Christ. And Dr. Joel Beakey, Tom Askell, Paul Washer, Conrad Mbewe, Travis Allen, Phil Johnson will be our speakers for that conference. And we'll also have a special guest, Allie Beth Stuckey, who will be there to do a live podcast with us as well as a breakout session for the women. So we'd love for you to join us here in Southwest Florida in January for our conference. You can go online and register at founders.org. So I'm really intrigued though, Jeremy, I'm going to keep uh, trying to tease this out a little bit. So, all right, you guys are dating, you're listening, you're learning together. Jeremy, you've got a different foundation theologically than Ginger does. The root of the matter is in both of you. But uh, you're probably better equipped now to see things more clearly quickly than Ginger was, and you're helping her to see them, and you're talking to her dad along the way. So at some point, you came to the place where you said, I want to marry this woman. And, uh, you, you know, I mean, I've got five daughters, and so it's always, look, you got to come through me uh, to talk to my daughters or, or marry my daughters. You gotta, we got to get on the same page here. So how did you, how'd you navigate that, knowing you know, you got all these things, not just the personal issues. we got some real theological issues that are in the mix. Well, there are two things. One was the, the main issue that Mr. Duggar and I talked about extensively was the issue of God's sovereignty in mm-hmm. salvation. So because of the their church climate and culture at the time, they were going to an independent fundamentalist church with a man who, who hated the doctrine of God's sovereignty and salvation and those sorts of things. So that was a big, that was a big sticking point. So mm-hmm. most of our theological conversations were over that point, mm-hmm. not Bill Gothard and Gothardism. The second reality was, as I was starting to see issue with, with Bill Gothard and so was Ginger, I had a confidence in who this woman is, who everybody's now seen through the book in that she loves Christ, loves others and is committed to his word. So I didn't feel this press of, we've got to deal with every single Mm -hmm. error that Gothard has ever espoused before we get married. I had a confidence in this woman loves Jesus. She loves his word. So if we just walk together in the word, uh, she'll process these things and we'll work th- through these things naturally. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring up issues of modesty or music or kids or these things with her. She was the one in her own study, bringing those things up to me saying, Hey, what do you think about this? I went, Oh yeah. Interesting. Well, let's talk about it from the word. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, this book becoming free indeed that she's written was not at the forefront of her mind at the time or mine of going, we've got to expose Gothard. We've got to break all this down. That really was a progressive, um, as, as we got deeper and deeper realizing the danger of the teachings. So before we got married and engaged, Mr. Duggar and I had more conversations about the sovereignty of God than anything that, that Mr. Gothard espoused. Um, does that make sense? So yeah. it wasn't, it kind of, it grew in concern as she and I realized just how deeply troubling these teachings were. Yeah. I think there's some real wisdom in that, brother. God helped you with that to recognize, okay, 
you know, we're on the same page with these main issues, and we, we've got the boundaries established. We've got the authority established, and uh, we don't have to have all the questions answered right now. But if we're together and walking under the authority of God's Word, we have every reason to trust that the Lord's going to show us. And, and, you know, I work in the college ministry now, and so you, you have a lot of, just pastorally, a lot of relationship questions. And I tell young men and women uh, often, you're not looking for a young man or, or a young woman in a particular theological camp necessarily. Mm-hmm. You want to see what's their relationship to mm-hmm. the Word of God. Do they approach God's Word with humility, willing to go where He leads? Because you can have someone in a certain theological camp that you align closely with, who does not submit to God's word and God's authority. Right. And what I thought with Ginger is, yeah, we're coming from different backgrounds on uh, theologically, but this is a humble woman who loves Christ and wants to go wherever he leads. And I saw her dealing with scripture honestly. And mm. that was what gave me so much peace is, wow, she approaches the word of God and deals with it honestly, even if it goes against what she's believe before or her presuppositions that she's brought to the text. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think that's so important for young singles to know. Cause I don't know how many conversations I have, I think particularly with young men where, you know, I want to get married, but there just aren't any reformed girls <laughs> and they want, you know, their future wife to be more reformed than John Owen. And it's just <laughs> yeah. find a woman who submits herself to the Lord and submits herself to the word. And when you're students of the word together, you will be on the same page. Yeah. They're not reformed 1689, you know, they're reformed 1644. So man, what are yeah, we going to yeah. do? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's great counsel. Well, how has the, uh, how has the publication of the book landed in the community that you were uh, once steeped in, Ginger, how have you, what kind of feedback have you gotten from friends or people that maybe are still very much sold out to uh, Mr. Gothard's teachings? Yeah, I was actually really surprised at the feedback because whenever you write a book, you never know how it's going to be received and you just have to almost gear up for that, um, especially emotionally. It's, it's tough. Um, but God has been so kind. And I think the, the stories that we've heard from even friends who have been challenged to look into these teachings mm-hmm. to see if they are true, um, that has been something that really, I know it's worth it. Like it, it just has encouraged me. And then also, um, family members that have read the book that, that was, um, just really a bonus on top because you, you never know, um, how, that that might just be too close to home for some people um, to read something so personal and um, exposing the teachings that we grew up under. So yeah, I've been more encouraged than anything. And I, yeah, I just hope and pray that whoever is still stuck in this teaching would be able to come to see um, just the loveliness of Christ and the Mm -hmm. graciousness of God. Um, And that's, that's been my heart's desire since the beginning. And I've been so encouraged to, to see that that's been the case. Yeah, well, that's got to be gratifying because you, you say that's why you wrote the book. I mean, you're, you've got people in mind that you want to help, and, and what God has done with you and the journey he's taken you on does resonate with a great number of people and can. So the, the book's great. We encourage folks to get the book, to uh, pass it out. And, it, and it's not just for those who maybe have been uh, influenced by Bill Gothard's teaching, but anybody who just hasn't really taken – uh, everything the Bible has to say, uh, as seriously as we should. This is a great book about how do you process information that you didn't have before, 
and what do you do? How do you change? Uh, we, we talk about around here a lot that in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, which you cite in the, the book, that there are four purposes that are listed there for the Scripture. You know, it's all breathed out by God. It's profitable. It's profitable for doctrine. That's one. It's profitable for correction. That's one. For reproof and for training in righteousness. Those four purposes, two of them are negative. You know, two of them are corrective, your correction and reproof. So if you're reading the Bible without ever getting corrected or reproved, it's only confirming what you already believe. You're not reading it right because it's designed to correct things that we all need to be corrected on, and that's going to be a lifelong process. So how to be corrected and guided by the book, I think, um, by Scripture, I think this book is a, a useful tool for that. It's a good example of that. Well, we're so grateful for uh, you guys joining us today. What's next for you? What's the next big thing on your agenda? Well, yeah, there's some projects in the works um, that we're still working on. But, yeah, just enjoying life together and our little, our two little girls. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So from northwest Arkansas, Laredo, Texas, to L.A. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite the truth. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Well, we're grateful for you both. Thank God for you. Uh, anything we can do for you here, don't hesitate to let us know. And again, we're going to link to the book in the notes of this episode, but we commend it uh, together with another book we talked about just before uh, recording today, a book by Don Bono and by Ron Henzel. I think it's called A Matter of Basic Principles. Uh, Ron's an elder of a church here in Cape Coral. He's been a longtime friend of our church. And um, that, that book was actually instrumental in your life as well, Ginger. Is that right? That really helped me to be able to examine the principles of Bill Gothard and help me to like be able to walk out of those as well. So, yeah, I would highly recommend highly recommend uh, Don and Ron's book. And you wrote uh, the foreword to the new edition of it, right? Is that correct? Yes, I just wrote the foreword, and so I'm I'm so excited to get uh, that revised copy yeah, in my hand. I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, thank you for joining us today on The Sword and the Trowel, and we especially want to thank our Founders Alliance members who support us in a way that allow us to put out this kind of um, content for you. And if you're interested in knowing more about Founders, or if we can do anything to serve you in any way, please let us know. Why are we here? What is the most important thing in the world? One of our greatest problems is, is forgetting. We, we forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced. If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget. It strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not going to forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's going to forget the significance of Christ. Christ is ultimately our mission. The church is the body of Christ. A church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because that's why we are the church. Christ is supreme overall. The church's great mission is to preach Christ. We're there to win souls.
advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why we're going to gather, to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024, as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.